Grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I'll tell you, I love singing them some of those old songs, but some of those old songs are written for guys with higher voices than mine. His blood. Um, <clears throat> so, all right. Good song, though. Let him have his way with thee. If we could wake up every morning with that idea, Lord, I'm here another day. What do you have for me? Amen. All right. So this morning. We're continuing to look at the last part of the Sermon on the Mount that the Lord Jesus is sharing. And you remember a couple of pointers to understanding the book of Matthew. Number one is that Matthew wrote the book with the purpose of explaining to Jews, to the children of Israel, to Hebrews, that their Jewish Messiah has arrived. Okay, And that's the beginning of the book. He spends a lot of effort making sure that they understand all the prophecies that were fulfilled. He understand that the herald of the king, all the different things that he, that the Magi come, it's the only book that records that, that he, that he's trying to set up this idea that Messiah has come. Okay. And then Jesus here begins to instruct the different folks that what the Pharisees have been living out as righteousness in their example of the religion of the Hebrews isn't cutting it. Okay, what they are doing is not the example of what righteousness in somebody who's a child of the Lord, who is one of Jesus' followers, a believer. Okay, he's saying, listen, if, if your righteousness can't exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, then you're not going to be involved in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is going ahead and responding to these things, going, listen, uh, some people have gotten a little twisted Okay, and he begins to do this Sermon on the Mount, and he reminds us of all the things that he's trying to incorporate into a follower of the Lord Jesus. You want to be a part of my kingdom and represent me in this world? We're not seeing that exactly the way it should be with the religious crowd. He says, we've got to be a little bit different. And Jesus focuses over and over on service from the inside out, that God just doesn't want a confirmation of behavior he doesn't want you to be conformed to a certain image he wants you to be transformed okay and we said the sentence several times in several sermons god is more interested in you being who he wants you to be not just doing what he wants you to do and today during our time together we will reference some people in this world who spend a lot of time doing what they think God wants them to do, but they're not being the kind of person that God wants them to be. And they will set aside time to go within a house of worship or do charity work or something like that, even times in prayer, because they think that is what is earning them credibility with God. I saw a neat thing. Um, a preacher was sitting down talking, and he said the difference between christianity as a religion and christianity as a relationship he said christianity as a religion is generally based on you accomplishing things during your life 
and a tally is taken at the end and you're basically waiting till the end to make sure you're all set. He said a relationship with God is based upon your wanting to be who he wants you to be and it's not tallied at the end but it's uh, agreed to and established at the very beginning. I don't have to wait to someday to stand before God in heaven to find out if I'm okay with him. I'm okay with him the moment I become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm not working toward an end to please God. I'm working because now I can please God because we have this amazing relationship. And there are so many people in Christianity who have this mindset that I have to do all these things in my life because someday I'm going to stand before God and I hope we're okay. We know that when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You are guaranteed a place in heaven. You are now a son of God. And from that point forward, you work with and do things because you want to because he loves you and you love him. And it's amazing thought that from the moment of salvation, you can have the comfort of security. Not, boy, I hope someday when I get to the end, everything will be okay. And you're striving for security by a life full of works. Isn't it great that God doesn't have it that way? He wants us to be his people because he loves us, not do because we have to impress him or others. Amen? So we were looking at that. So now Jesus is getting to the end of things, and he brings up two very, very important subjects that we're going to look at today. Uh, and then we'll continue next week to, to wrap up the final things that he's saying in this Sermon on the Mount and continue looking at the life of Christ through Matthew. But uh, he looks at two specific things. One is, that's not the right one. This is the right one. Hi. I might have to walk this back to her and load up the proper sermon PowerPoint. That's last week's. All right, turn your Bibles to Matthew. We're going to preach last week's sermon. Since some of you didn't get it. No, I'm just... Matthew chapter 7, while, while she's look at looking that up, let's read verses 12 through 14. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, all those, try that again. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye do that men, sh uh, whatsoever ye would that men do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus reminding us of these truths. And Lord, these are things that people on a very daily basis in Christendom, in churches all across this world, hinge their lives upon. And Father, it's very important that we understand the absolute truth that here, Lord, that uh, we're not 
confused into thinking what sometimes religious systems describe. And so, Lord, I just pray that uh, you would be with us as we look at this, be with my mind. Lord, already been a fun morning in my own head. Uh, but, Lord, that isn't meant to detract from your word or this message. So, Father, be with my thoughts. Help them to be put together in a way that you could use them. Lord, I am not the teacher. That is so great. Lord, it is your truth. It is your Holy Spirit that convicts our hearts. So, Lord, just bless this time that we can be together. In Christ's name, amen. All right. The sermon for this morning is the golden rule and the straight gate. The golden rule and the straight gate. Now, how many of you have heard of the golden rule? Okay. Um, it is a pretty, pretty well-known uh, idea to the point where actually there are quite a few different religions in this world that have something very similar to this. And we'll look at those in a minute, but let's just look at these a couple of things together. Okay, remember this is the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a very, very well-known passage. You want to talk about the golden rule? I mean, whether you're watching uh, Back to the Little Rascals or or Gunsmoke or any of the things. I mean, it's been around forever, right? The golden rule. We talk about it in Hollywood, everything else. I don't know if they talk about it much anymore. But it's been around for a while, and there's a lot of religions that have a basis in this kind of thought. All right? But sometimes, again, there's a misunderstanding because it's not taken exactly the way Jesus lays it out. Okay, so let's go on. Um, Many cultures and religions have a similar thought. So I wrote down a few. All right, so let's just read them together, see if they sound familiar. Okay, in ancient China, what is said is, what one word is a life rule? Is it not reciprocity is such a word, meaning do unto others, right? Ancient Egypt, that which you hate to be done to you, do not that to another. Ancient Greece, avoid doing that which you would blame others for doing. Okay, keep going. H oh, that sounds like the same thing. Buddhists, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Confucius, what you do not wish for yourselves, do not to others. Keep going. Judaism, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. Hinduism, one should never do that, that to others, which one regards as injurious to one's own self. Even Wicca, all children of earth, that which ye deem harmful unto thyself, the very same shall be forbidden to do unto another. Keep going. Scientology, try not to do things to others that you would not like done uh, them to do to you. Even in Iranian, uh, uh, this is, would be more, uh, if you're really getting down to uh, the background, this would be Zoroasterism, okay? But do not do unto others what is injurious to your own self. Sounds like the golden rule, doesn't it? There's a twist, though, right? I think I uh, 
I wrote that sentence. Hard to ask that question when it says that on the board already, right? Well, isn't this uh, nice that they all say the same thing, but do they? Is this exactly what Jesus said? Okay, there's a big difference. Okay, to boil this down. And we're, we're covering this sermon quick this morning. We're going to be out of here in the Kimball's at 12 o'clock. <laughs> Not quite, but all right. Notice the difference, the big difference. Jesus' words are focusing on the positive. Most all of the others say, do not do what you don't want done to you. Okay, Jesus' words here, do what you want to do to you. The others are, don't do things to people that you wouldn't want to do done to you. Jesus says, do unto others what you would have done unto you. Most of them focus on, oh, you don't like that, so don't do it to somebody else. Jesus says, no, what you want to have done to you, go out and do to others. Okay, it's a positive. Look, therefore all these things, look at it says, you should do to you, do even the same to them. Jesus talks about the positive side of things. So what is the law and the prophets? Now, I think some of us can probably figure this out right away where we're going because we've covered this several times in the last couple of months between Sunday school and uh, service time here in the morning. There is something that Jesus himself says the law and the prophets are hung on. Anybody remember what that is? There's one word that sums up the entire law and the prophets. Okay, Hopefully you'll, got, you'll get this in your mind. I hope so. Jesus said the law and the prophets, which is basically the Old Testament for the Jews, Jesus says there's one word that I can sum it all up, and I think I heard you mention it, somebody out there. Love, right? Keep going. Matthew 23. One of them, which was a lawyer, uh, 22, excuse me, uh, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Keep going. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now understand, Jesus himself is saying, you want to understand what the entire Old Testament is about? Love God and love your neighbor. Now consider that, Jesus is saying, do unto others what you would have them done unto you, because this is the law and the prophets. All the other religions, I shouldn't say that, most of the other ones are laid out, don't do something that you would hate done to you. Okay? If you don't like it, don't do it to somebody else. Jesus is saying just the opposite. He says, you want to remember what the entire law and prophets is based upon? Love God and love your neighbor. Do unto people the way you want the things done to you. He's trying to remind us the golden rule is not about a bunch of little behaviors. It is about love. Right? You see that with me? He says, all the law and the prophets is hung on one thing. Love God and love it and your neighbors. And he says, you know what? Do unto them like you. Well, I don't know about you. I want people to love me. I'm just so lovable. Don't you? Matter of fact, some of us can't stand when other people don't like us. Some of you don't care. I know it. Eh, whatever. 
Some people have even, what did I do wrong? You ever had that feeling? Don't we just like to be liked? Yeah, it's just a human thing, but God is just saying, listen, people are getting it wrong. The command is, go out and do to others the right thing, which is love them. Here's the golden rule for you. Keep going. I want to just bring this down. Love God and love your neighbor sums it all up. Now, here's the deal. You cannot possibly fulfill the golden rule without having Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And this is the sad thing, and this is what I started out introducing this to us. So many people in this life who call themselves Christians think they are becoming a Christian because they are keeping the golden rule. But you cannot keep the golden rule unless you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because if it is based on loving God and loving your neighbor, can you possibly love God without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Now, there's a lot of people out in this world who say they do, but what does it say in Romans? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You cannot have a proper relationship with God unless you have met the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. So I want this to be understood because this is where we struggle in Christendom. I hate saying Christianity because that's such a, a term that I kind of focus on those who have made Jesus Christ their Savior. Okay? Christianity, as the world looks at it, is anybody that has a church or involved with a religion that Jesus might be a small part of. Okay? That is not what Christianity is. Okay, that is Christendom, focusing on the dumb. Okay, Christianity is being one who is like Christ. And boy, I can go off on this right now because there's a lot of people in this world who want to tell us what God and his love is like and what it's like to be a Christian, but don't act at all like Jesus. And they're trying to promote lifestyles and choices and sins in this world today and just say, well, Jesus accepts that because he loves us. No, a Christian is a Christ-like one. And Christ spoke specifically about certain things in this world that shouldn't be happening. And we shouldn't be representing those things. Okay? Um, In Christendom as a whole, there are people who depend upon the fact that they're keeping the golden rule as their entrance to heaven. Have you run into them before? When you talk to them about if uh, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? Well, yeah, I think I live a good life. I think I'm keeping the golden rule. I think I'm, uh, you know... My good works are going to outweigh my bad works. And the whole basis of the golden rule is you have a relationship with God first. Then you can fulfill the golden rule. You don't try to do the golden rule and hopefully at the very end God looks at you and goes, Oh, look, (laughs) yeah, I guess uh, your life measured up to what I want it to be. A true Christian, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, realize our life will never measure up 
to what God wants it to be. That's why we need Jesus as Savior. So again, as an educational purpose here this morning, when we run into people who want to talk about the golden rule, we have to make sure we focus on what the golden rule truly is about. We are to love God and love our neighbors. We're to do unto them as we want done unto us. Sounds more kind of like forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have been trespassed against us. All of this is based upon a relationship with God that's solid. So please, folks, as we're going out there and talking to people about the Lord and living our life in front of folks, the golden rule is a fruit of a life surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. The golden rule is not a checklist that we're earning brownie points hoping that we're all set with God someday. Be who God wants you to be, not just do what God wants you to do. And that's the misfocus of the golden rule. All right? We have to make sure we get that clear. Keep going. So what about the law and the prophets? And we said this a minute ago. Matthew chapter 11. This was written to who? The Jews, right? Okay, they're speaking to the Jews. Jesus did something a little bit different. Now, please remember, until the Lord Jesus Christ came, you didn't have the ability to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Does that make sense? Okay, uh, sometimes you'll hear a theologian say, you know, well, you know, the Old Testament believers were saved by the blood of Jesus because they knew Jesus was coming. No, they were not. They didn't know that. They were saved by grace through faith, which is the same way we are. Okay, God gives us his righteousness when we do the things that God asked us to do. Well, that's what the Old Testament believers did. They followed God, they did what God asked them to, and God imparted his grace to them because they, by faith, said, well, Lord, this is what you told us, we're going to do it. So God said, all right, here's my grace. Well, since Jesus came, it's different. Jesus said, you don't have to follow a bunch of rules and regulations. He said, now you have to receive my son. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of ourselves, not of works, it is a gift of God. Okay, once Jesus came, things changed. Okay, look at this verse. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and violence, uh, take it by force, keep going. Luke, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached and every man is pressed into it. Until John the Baptist, then there was a change, Jesus came. So I want you to understand when this is, I keep focusing week after week after week that reminding us that this was written to the Jews. The Jews were living by a different set of rules than you and I have to live by. Why? Because Jesus came. Isn't it great? And how many times have we said it? We didn't have to come up here and offer a bullock on the altar this morning. Or we didn't have to have a, a pit out back made of brass to burn on incense and to burn, you know, burnt offerings and peace offerings and sin offerings. And we don't have to do that. Okay, because the law and the prophets were until John, then Jesus came and things changed. 
Thank the Lord, we don't have to check off a bunch of, oh man, I didn't offer the, oh, the, uh, this offering, and I got to offer that offering. And we got a new set of rules. Because Jesus fulfilled all those things in himself. He offered himself once for all, forever. Now, I want this to be important because we continue to focus on the fact that Jesus is speaking to Jews and saying, okay, things are different now. The Son of God has come and Messiah will fulfill everything that God has pictured throughout the Old Testament. So both of these verses talk about the fact that all the law and the prophets came until John the Baptist. When John the Baptist comes, he says, prepare ye the way of the Lord, and things change, and Jesus comes. And now you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and that's the only way we could fulfill the golden rule, is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Are you with me? All right, so just trying to hone our skills and, uh, and focus our understanding. When we run into people, because I do all the time, who think they're living by the golden rule and God's going to be happy with that, well, God's not going to be happy with that unless you've met his son first. All right, let's keep going. Oh, I did write something right at the bottom there. We talk about in the scripture is a new dispensation. Okay, how many of you know what a dispenser is? Okay, uh, we as kids had these little things. Even I learned what the word dispenser was when I was like six. Uh, okay, Derek's got it. Pez, right? We all knew. I, I never I knew what a word dispenser was until I knew my parents bought me a Pez dispenser. Right, and it was Tweety Bird or Bugs Bunny or Road Runner or whatever, and you tipped his head back and a little candy came popping out. Right? It basically meant it was something that gave something new okay it dispensed you know you put a quarter in it you turn the little thing and a gumball comes out right well god has chosen down through the years to dispense his grace in different ways okay we are saved by grace through faith in the old testament his grace was dispensed by fulfilling the law in the new testament his grace is dispensed by faith in jesus christ as savior Okay, there's different ways, and that's why if you ever hear the phrase dispensation, it just means God has altered things a little bit. You know, Adam and Eve lived in a dispensation. They didn't have to have their sins forgiven at all because they didn't have any sin. Then things changed, and they fell, and, and there was a different dispensation of God's grace. So just a theological term, but that's what we're talking about. When Jesus came, the way God offered his grace to people changed. You didn't have to offer offerings on the altar anymore. You didn't have to kill hundreds and hundreds of bulls and goats and turtle doves. You didn't have to keep all the feasts. You didn't have to keep all the holy days. Those were all necessary to get God's grace in the Old Testament. Now, what's necessary is to meet lord jesus christ messiah all right now let's go on because so, jesus finishes up the book with some warnings we're only going to cover one warning this morning okay he will warn about some false prophets next week we'll look at he's going to warn about some other things but i want to only look at one this morning because this is right in line with what we're talking about all right so the warning we're looking at this morning 
Okay, he began with blessings, he ends with warnings. Keep going. Warning number one is the first warning is the straight gate. This one is kind of tender to my heart. As much as I spoke about Christendom a minute ago, it's heartbreaking to think that people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ have twisted the way of salvation. And there are churches by the hundreds of thousands across this world right now who are preaching about Jesus, but not talking about the proper way to approach him. We read the verse here a minute ago, but he's talking about that there is a straight, have you ever heard the straight and narrow, that, that phrase? There is only one path to reach the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, there's a broad way, and many are on that path. But there's only one very, very small, straight, very specific way to get to God. And unfortunately, I know many of my friends and acquaintances who have spent their lives in churches and have been led down a very broad way. And you try to talk to them and say, please, you need to understand it is not all these other things that you're adding into your faith. There is one and only one answer. There is only one cure. There is only one Savior. And that is Jesus Christ. He says, Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And many go in thereat. There are so many who are assuming that they have pleased God by something in their life and are walking down a very broad way. And then there are those who have found the straight gate that leads to life, and there are a few there that find it. Now, I want this to be very clear. Jesus is going to answer a question in a minute that we're going to look at it is not my job to walk around and t tell who is on the broadway and who is on the straight and narrow and unfortunately a lot of times we spend an awful amount of time trying to figure out who's a believer and who's not because of something they do or something they say or some sort of name they put on themselves I'm not worried about the broad picture. I'm worried about each and every individual. And that's what we need to be worried about. That's why Jesus says, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We need to make sure that we are reaching out to try to make sure every single person that has understanding knows what road they're on. Straight and narrow or broad. Remember what would happen. Jesus, we talked about two weeks ago, told them, judge not that ye be not judged. Jesus said the Jews were looking at a bunch of people and saying, well, you're not Jews, so I know where you're going. 
And Jesus says, don't you dare. But we have to be careful the same way. We can't say, well, you're of such and such religion. I know where you're going. Don't make a generalization. Broad is that way, but you don't know a person's heart. Because I guarantee you, there have been people sitting in this church who sat in this church for years who don't believe Jesus Christ is their Savior. And I know that because there have been people who have told us testimony that they were a part of this church for years and finally got saved. It is not our job to judge. It is our job to share the love of Jesus Christ and His salvation with everyone. Because it's a very, very narrow window, gate, door. We'll look at that. Okay. So many claim to be Christian that makes you wonder. If this, if this country is 75% Christian and Jesus says many find a way and he says but few find the true way. I wonder if 75% of those people actually are Christians. Now I got to be careful not to judge but it's kind of strange that if God says very few find it, that a majority claim to be. Just because you run into somebody who says they're a Christian, share God's word. Keep going. The Jews knew that there was a way. The Old Testament talks about it. When we talk about there's a straight and narrow, well, Jesus brought up something new. No, they've known it the entire time they've had the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, and 16, verse 25 is the exact same verse. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way. Look at Jeremiah. And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, before... before Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. God's people have always known there are two, or two ways. One that leads to life, one that leads to death. Unfortunately, Jesus' words are very so true that many people are on the wrong road. Few find the right one. Keep going. Isaiah 35, verse 8. And highway shall be there, and a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. God, through all his Old Testament, said there's a way to the Lord, and there's a way that doesn't lead to the Lord. And Jesus is reminding he says, you folks, you were talking about the law and the prophets. And he says, there are ways. God's been describing it for years. There's a broad way, and everybody seems to be going down, and it leads to destruction. But there's a narrow way that leads to life, and few find it. Jesus is really making, putting this uh, point to this very well. Keep going. How many of us know this verse? I think we got it memorized, right? John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh to the Father but by me. In John 10, he says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. There is only one way, and that is Jesus. So when we read that verse that says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the way, he's answering all those Old Testament scriptures that God says there is a way. One leads to destruction, one leads to life, and Jesus says, I am that way. I am the door. We'll go back to John chapter 10 next week because in one of the warnings he talks about uh, false prophets and he says they're wolves in sheep's clothing. And John chapter 10 says, you know what? I'm the door to the sheep. If you want to enter into God's fold, you've got to come through me. Now what we just talked about, we talked about the golden rule and how some people have twisted that and made it a way to earn credibility with God. And God is saying, man, you're on the broad way. Because there is only one that allows you entrance into salvation. Right? What does this word say right here? We don't use it in the Bible very often. It's a word we use in Christianity a lot. We sing songs like, saved by the blood of the crucified one. Right? We don't find that word saved often in the Bible. We talk about salvation, repentance, deliverance. The word saved is fewer than you'd think because we use it very often. When you say to somebody, I'm saved, they're like, saved from what? Charlie was saved from a car wreck this week. Bruce and Joyce were saved from a fire this week. Okay, when the Bible, Jesus is pinning it down right here. I am the door, and by me, if you enter in, ye shall be saved. You get salvation through Christ and Christ alone. He is the way that God has spoken of. So he's speaking to a bunch of Jews, a bunch of Hebrews that know the Old Testament. And God, he says, you know that God made a way unto death and a way into life. And he says, unfortunately... Most people are on their way of death. Few find the way of life. Now, that's heartbreaking. But at the same time, shouldn't that be the motivation for us to go out and explain what road people are on? There's an old song. I wasn't going to bring it up, but the Lord's popped it into my head three or four songs. Remember the old song called Stairway to Heaven? What are the words in the song? Basically, it says, doesn't matter what road you're on. That is so contrary to God's word. And it is a rock and roll classic. And people for years have listened to the fact that they can get to heaven by many different ways. And that is not what the word of God says. The word of God says, it doesn't matter what road you're on. No, it matters. There is only one road. Most people aren't on it. Now, please, don't get the, well, I'm on the right road. <clears throat> aren't I special? Well, aren't you glad that God made it clear to you someday and you were smart enough to listen? We don't need to get a big head about it. We ought to be out there going, this is important that people understand how specific the directions need to be. You know how, I don't know about you, here's a f funny 
thing in my mind that gets me extremely frustrated. How many of you use GPS on your phone now? It used to be Garmin or TomTom or any of these things. Now you can just put it on your phone. How frustrating it is that when your GPS takes you the wrong way? Right? You ever see these videos where a tractor trailer drives down the stairs in the middle of a park? Oh, because it told me to turn left right here. You know, that's a right, actually. Left is that way. Because people are just following what Garmin tells them to do, what their GPS says. Make a right here, make a left here, and then all of a sudden you're in the middle of something and it's going recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. And there's so many people who've gotten themselves in a mess because they're not using their own brain, they're following the directions, and the directions are pointing them in the wrong direction. You and I have the ability to go out into this world and say, there's only one route to get there. When we first moved to New England, we had our U-Haul truck, we had the cars full, we pulled up and we were trying to find out where to go and there were two police officers sitting window to window and we pulled in the parking lot, Dad says, I'll ask them where to go. He opens the door of the U-Haul truck, puts one foot on the ground, and the cop says, you can't get there from here. Of course, we just laughed, but he knew we were lost and we needed directions. How many people in this world are lost and need directions? It's not our job to sit back and say, well, they're a such and such and name a religion. Oh, we know where they're... No, they're a person who needs to understand the directions to get to heaven. And we're the ones who are supposed to be out there giving them the GPS coordinates. There's a lot of people, and again, please, I am not making a judgment call when I say this. Jesus' words himself. There are a lot the majority of folks who are heading in the wrong direction. Because Jesus says, many find that route. Few find the right one. And that's why it's so important that we go out there and share the gospel with everybody we can. Well, I know them. They've gone to church for 30 years. But they may be on the broad way. Because it's not about putting your uh, behind in a pew it's our, have you met the Lord Jesus Christ the way, the door keep going Luke chapter 13 then said one of them Lord are there few that be saved now, this is an interesting question he said Lord how many people are going to be believers, how many people are going to get saved and it's interesting enough Jesus doesn't answer this question Look what it says. And he said, strive to enter at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter and shall not be able. You know that other verse that talks about many shall cry unto me, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. But we've done a lot of good things in your name, Jesus says. Yeah, but I never knew you. Jesus doesn't answer that. They're asking how many people are going to be saved, Lord. Jesus doesn't answer that question. He doesn't say, well, here's the number. He says, you know what? You need to strive to make sure. He brings it back to it's the individual's responsibility. You and I need to go tell everybody we can about Jesus as Savior. 
I happened to go to my chiropractor, this fellow now, doing a good job, and um, he moved up here from out west a while back, and he said, well, he said, if there's one thing we need up here, it's churches that preach the gospel, because this is probably the least Christian state in the country. And the last time the, the uh, um, questions were asked of the community, Vermont and New Hampshire are the least church states out of all the 50. Folks, there's a lot of people out here that we're going to bump into every single day who need to strive to enter into the right way. This fellow's asking, how many are going to get saved? Jesus doesn't answer that question. He said, you know what? Just make sure that people are entering at the straight gate. Don't worry about the number. Worry about people. So I can look and name uh, different religious groups, right? We can, right? Pick one that may be a little safer than another. How about some uh, Jehovah Witnesses? Hey, I heard a, a Christian comedian the other day say, you want to hear a, 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 a joke about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses? Knock, knock. That's the joke. Just knock, knock. Anyway. Well, I can go ahead and make a judgment call and say, oh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Ah. I met one. My neighbor. Listen. Tell them about the straight and narrow. Don't worry about what they consider themselves. Because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that consider themselves Christians who need to hear about the straight and narrow. That's why we preach this so often. That's why Dan in Sunday School, I don't know if you've caught it, the, the last probably eight months, more in the last recent ones, has been trying so hard because God's Holy Spirit's been nudging his heart to remind us to get out there and share the gospel with people. Don't just say, oh yeah, well, they're a Christian. Broad is the way. And many are on that path. There can't possibly be 75% of the country who are all set with the Lord. We need to go out there and share the gospel. Tell them about the straight and narrow. Jesus is the door. Jesus states... There will be fewer than greater. That's your and my call. Go out there and say, oh, so many people in this world, we're a Christian nation. And Jesus says, eh. Fewer than you think. That should tell us, get out there and share. Oh, yeah, I know. Tell them anyway. The issue is making an effort to see as many people as possible enter into the gate through the door, by the way, Jesus Christ the Savior. He is the only way. Have you entered in? I hope so. If not, make sure the people that you know understand. They may choose to continue that broad way. You can't force them. But don't let them think that if they're living by the golden rule, they're all set. Remind them that Jesus is the way, the door. He is the only one by which we are saved. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord Jesus really lays out a sobering thought here. Yes, he talks about the golden rule, 
that shared through the law and the prophets, Lord, that is love. But because of that, because we want to not just not do what people don't, what we don't want people to do to us, we're supposed to go out and do that thing. We're supposed to go out there and love like you loved us. And then he says these sobering words about the way of salvation. And what a sad commentary when Jesus himself speaks the words, few that be that find it. Few there be that find it. Lord, help us to have a burden. And Lord, even the folks we think are all set. Even the folks we've known for years who have sat in churches and served and done charitable work and have a giving spirit doesn't mean that they've met the Lord. Doesn't mean that they're on the straight and narrow way. Doesn't mean they're entering through the door who is Jesus. Father, thank you so much for your truth. Lord, help us to go out there and just share with whomever we can. It's an amazing opportunity we have. And lastly, Lord, I can speak for my own self in this. Thank you that at one point in my life, you made it clear how much I needed a Savior. Lord, because without your offering of grace, we would be hopeless. Thank you so much for the salvation through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been saying this over and over and over for a little while. Go out there and tell somebody. Wouldn't it be great to snatch somebody off the Broadway and put them on the straight and narrow? Not because of what we've done, but because we met the one who is the door, who is the way. Amen. Love you. See you at Kimball's or next time we get together.